All right, what's up, y'all? It's Will here at Schedule Fly, and I've got my man Josh Whitman on the phone today. Uh, he's in Durham. Hey, oh yeah, what's up, man? <laughs> uh, Josh is in Durham, and he's got Motorco Music Hall. He's got the Federal, both there in Durham. He's got Pallet uh, down in Wilmington, North Carolina. He lives in Durham, and uh, man, run some cool places, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time to do this today, Josh. Thank you. Uh, all right, man. Well, so you got your three places, two in Durham, one in Wilmington. Who's open and, and what are you doing? Are you doing takeout and delivery at any of those? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, we sort of, um, you know, when we were asked to close, we closed, um, immediately and, um, took us about a week to sort of figure out what we we're going to do moving forward. And we, we, uh, at least in Durham, we kind of reopened, um, doing takeout and delivery, um, at the federal and then just take out, you know, curbside stuff at motor co and, and in Wilmington, we took a little bit more time, um, and, you know, put a website together that did, um, you know, had all our products featured, um, you know, spent a little time kind of putting the marketing together for that, and the bodies to uh, to run it, and so we've been doing curbside and delivery there um, for the last four weeks. Uh, delivery? Are you using outside services, or are y'all doing any of it yourself? Yeah, we're using like independent contractors. Um, okay. You know, there are obviously services out there, um, some of which will pedal alcohol, but um, most of them, you know, don't do that just because they don't want to have the liability issues. Um, but we've been able to find some independent contractors that will, um, you know, work for basically a bounty and do all that stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're not cheap, but, um, right now, I guess you gotta kind of got to do what you gotta do. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, with, with some of the delivery companies, you know, obviously the, the, everybody knows <laughs> they're a ripoff, you know, you can, you can, however, negotiate your way down to where it's, I guess, somewhat reasonable, you know, if, if you're willing to pay something, um, you know, there are companies out there and, and, you know, we use local companies here in Durham, Takeout Central, which, uh, has been around forever. They used to be called, uh, Tar Heel Takeout. They've, uh, they're still local guys, still locally owned, um, so we like to use them versus some of the national guys. Well, before we start recording, you mentioned Sean Stokes at Lunar Rotisserie, and um, I, I told you we had him on here last week. He yeah. also mentioned uh, that organization. They're using them. He, he spoke highly of them in terms of, you know, compared to the national competitors. And it's good to have yeah. local partners I mean, when you can. You know, it's, 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 you know, they're still delivery drivers. You still don't know what they're doing with your food once it leaves yeah. the place. But as someone who actually uses um, Takeout Central myself and, and gets it delivered to my house, you know, I've, I've never had a bad experience uh, with those guys, whereas, you know, the grub hubs of the world, um, you know, are uneven at best, I guess is a good way to put it. Well, I always find – I find it to be a really interesting topic because you uh, – once they leave, you lose control of – Everything from how the your product is handled to the experience the customer gets. I mean, if they have a grumpy, you know, crappy driver who shows up late and you know 
screwed up or something and the food isn't hot and you know they the driver isn't nice it just it it crushes you your brand even though that's out of your control which is just a tough part of it um, yeah you know i, mean, I suppose I mean, that's probably you know, pretty rare part of it, it yeah, just waiting for the pickup is, is you know, all those companies, yeah. you know, quote, your performance based on how speedy you have the food ready. But that doesn't necessarily mean the driver's going to be there anytime soon. Yeah. So you can have the food ready really quickly and then the driver comes sauntering in 30 minutes later and you're like, well, why the hell did I bust my ass, you know, getting this prepared? Yeah. Yeah, we don't use Uber at all. Um, just bad experience. Gotcha, gotcha. No, so of, of, of the sleaze balls, we use uh, Grubhub and then uh, <laughs> DoorDash through uh, Chow Now. Um, so we don't really have any relationship with them. But, um, yeah, you know, different strokes for different folks. And, I mean, it, it all depends on really what your what your goals are. And, yeah. um, you know, I think if you have easy to drive up spot, you might not need to use delivery. But if you don't, you know, delivery makes it a little bit easier for people that just don't want the hassle of trying to figure out how to, how to park, run in, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, the city's tried to make it a little bit easier just to, you know, block off spots and stuff like that. But, you know, we're on a, we're on major thoroughfare. So, um, it's, I think it's a little bit easier for us to do delivery. Well, um, okay. So here we are, you know, just, quite a bit of time into this thing so far we still don't really have a lot of clarity about what's happening although there there, there do seem to be some indications of a schedule of reopening and limited capacity and things like that where's where your head around all that stuff what do you think about over the next month what's going to happen and what needs to happen or what you hope will happen well i mean i think um there's the personal feelings and the business feelings and you know yeah. they're not necessarily always the same um you know, I, I think it's way too premature to talk about a reopening plan, at least in North Carolina. I'm not going to come in on, you know, other states. Um, you know, and I think that when you look at that, you know, what, what that actually means, I mean, I think it means something different in Durham, North Carolina, than it does in New Bern, North Carolina, or mm. Kitty Hawk. You know, I mean, I think... You talk about population people, density? Yeah, well, I think the way that people have um, or or think about COVID nineteen or or you know deal with it in a daily way is is completely different based on your geographic location and you know I mean Durham was hardcore as far as our mayor um, you know stepping in immediately and and creating rules and that was even before the governor did and um, you know I think that based on people I know in Durham and, you know, other businesses, I think everybody agrees that, you know, a strong stance was really important and that we're talking about prematurely opening, um, before we really have a good grasp on, you know, on what this, what this long-term effect will be, you know, and I think that that then plays into a business's, perception of you know what kind of revenue do they need to be generating to survive um you know and i think that at least with my businesses trying to determine what that is what that is you know by doing takeout and to-go food and and that kind of thing i mean you you obviously limit your expenditures um 
by doing so, but you also, you know, we've realized, you know, we're basically paying for the people that are preparing and, and, you know, ringing someone out and that's pretty much it. So, you know, what is the next phase of that? What is the, are we going to significantly increase our revenue in, you know, a, a capacity limited opening, um, enough to be able to pay that next level of employee and the, and the additional people, you know, to, to, to control that business. And, um, you know, I think that's our, our internal debate right now is just to try to figure out like what, what a limited capacity means. Um, you know, to, for most restaurateurs that I know, they don't, they've never, they've never planned on their business in a limited capacity. It's always to try to, you know, do as much volume as humanly possible. Yeah, for um, sure. You know, Fridays and Saturdays pay for Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays. Um, and so when you have a week of Mondays, you know, what's, what is that really going to do to your business and how is that, how is that going to be beneficial? Um, you know, I think there will be some pressure for restaurants to be open, even if they don't want to be open because, you know, will there be some public perception? Will there be some public shaming? You know, will people forget about you if you go, if you stay dark for an extra month or two months? Um, you know, how do you remain relevant to people? How do you remain top of mind to people if you choose to stay dark? Um, so I think there's a lot of, a lot of, you know, problems um, with reopening. And, um, you know, and obviously we don't really have a roadmap for what we will be allowed to do. I mean, I think everybody assumes capacity limits, um, you know, but, but that's, that means, you know, a lot, that means different things to, you know, different people in different towns. I mean, if you have a patio, that's not really, you know, part of your capacity limits, according to the fire department. And, um, you know, so what does that mean? Have five, have 500 people out on the patio and 10 people inside. You're basically adhering to your capacity limits. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely a lot of questions and I think that, you know, at least with, with my businesses, you know, we're talking about maybe making a decision in three weeks, um, about what we're going to do. So it's not, you know, we're, we're by no means thinking like, you know, May 8th or May, you know, May 15th, we're going to be doing anything different than we're doing right now. We're almost thinking maybe by the 15th or, or a little bit later that we'll be making decisions about what we are planning to do. So, yeah, I mean, we're, we're probably, um, I guess a little bit more conservative than some, but we're going to wait see how some of these um, experiments have happened in Georgia and Florida, you know, other places like that before we really make a decision about what we're going to do. Yeah, it is interesting that the states have these different time frames. So there are these um, little pockets of, of testing happening, uh, testing yeah. the, the hypothesis that, you know, you, it's okay to do it now and start to reopen or it, it may blow up in their Who knows, man? It really is. Yeah. There is, it's just so tough to try to get your arms or your head around. Yeah. The, I mean, I, somebody's got to be a Guinea pig. So, I mean, I'm just glad it's not me. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, I would let somebody else be a Guinea pig. Um, maybe that will, 
help us, you know, determine what our decisions are. Um, but I mean, I think, you know, the reality of COVID-19 and being thrown into quarantine and all your businesses being closed, you've had a long time to think about like, you know, what the businesses mean to you, what they mean to your customers, you know, how important are they in the scheme of things, you know, what, uh, what's your long-term goal, what's your short, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you've, you really kind of, you know, gone through the ringer from denial to frustration to sadness to, you know, and, and ultimately, you know, how, um, how you reopen, you know, what does that really say about you? Um, you know, both from a, a businessman, but also from just, uh, you know, a citizen, um, that cares about a fellow citizen. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I think we are under pressure to reopen, but, um, not under pressure to reopen because we'll go out of business if we don't. I mean, you know, I'm not, everybody's in that situation, but I think that, you know, ultimately we're going to make a decision based on what we think, um, is the right decision, not the forced decision, I guess is a good way to put it. Mm, well, look, it's good for you for being being in that position and being able to ma- look at it that way. Have you, do you own your buildings or have you just, uh, you know, run the business conservative enough that you have savings on hand to account for, you know, a long period or something like this? What, how have you well, been able to get in the well, <laughs> I, I mean, wanna, I know you I didn't plan for being, yeah, but say, yeah, I mean, you know, I, if, if it's longer than three months, um, you know, or longer than six months no, we're not going to be able to survive. But I mean, you know, uh, one of the businesses it, it owns the building. So, I mean, that's great to have that ability. Um, and obviously the other two that, you know, we've negotiated with the, the landlords to, you know, understand the situation first and foremost, and then to, you know, work with us to the point where we can at least take our time to decide what we need to do. But I mean, you know, ultimately, I can't tell you whether we reopen at a smaller capacity, whether we'd even be able to pay our rent, let alone, you know, pay the staff to be there. Um, You know, my impression is, you know, if we're opening at, say, 25% percent capacity that's really not gonna that's really not gonna do it you know i mean we might as well just just stay very efficient and just keep doing to go food and take out you know that kind of stuff because at least we already know that we can pay for that labor it's not like we're paying the rent because with that but at least we can coast a little bit longer um, in a more efficient way than sort of just swinging the doors open and hoping for the best. Cause I, you know, even if we open at 25% capacity, I think we're still going to see, you know, maybe a, a 40 to 60% drop in business. So, you know, you, you put those two things together and you're like, oh, you know, this could be, uh, I'll do $500 in, do- in takeout rather than $500 in dining, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, that makes total sense. It's hard to know. And you know, the, the capacity things just, boy, it's, it seems kind of arbitrary. Um, 
hard to know what the right amount is. How do you enforce that? How do you even enforce it even if the authorities aren't enforcing it? How do you enforce it like in your – I mean, it's just a – Yeah, I I mean, you know, we have a big-ass patio. Do we go out there and say, hey, you people get lost? I mean, you know, it's it's like how do you – you know, you're going to have to employ security guards to get everybody to respect the the six-foot distance rule. I mean, there are so many – there are more questions um, to answer, and, and, you know, I don't think – I mean, I, I think ultimately nobody is very comfortable with the idea of reopening when, you know, a, a vaccine is, you know, six plus months away from being even even able to be developed. So I think I think there's a lot of problems with the prospect of reopening. But, you know, the government has insinuated that, you know, there's there's not going to be many more rounds of money to help people survive. So yeah. the only way to survive will be to reopen. Did you do the PPP loan? Yeah, we've applied for it everywhere and got it at two of three so far. Um, I think, you know, based on other restaurateurs that I've, I've read articles about, I completely agree with all of the above. You know, it's like we sure as hell weren't going to apply for it um, because we were going to, get it and then once we got it we would decide what to do um and you know we have the same challenges that everybody else has already mentioned it's like until the bonus unemployment goes away it's hard to attract people back to your place of business and ultimately um you know we're not really going to be able to use the money the way it was designed to be used to where it's forgiven. So then it converts to a loan. And do we really want a loan? Um, you know, and what do we do with that money that would ultimately increase our revenues once we reopen? So, um, yes. Yeah, so basically it's sitting in the bank account. Um, cause we, you know, we, we still really haven't been able to, figure out the next steps with it. I mean, it's, it's sort of like a ticking time bomb. If we don't use it within eight weeks, you know, it's like we start paying on it and, and, you know, we have to figure out like a plan soon. You know, what, what happens if you don't use it? I mean, can you, can you just return it? Like, or, yeah, oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, you can actually I mean, return it. You I can, guess you could just, you can, yeah. Pay it yeah, off before it you becomes can definitely, a um, Yeah, exactly. You can. And I think that's a lot of why people, were rushing to get it, you know, to make sure they got it. And then once they got it, kind of go like, all right, now let me start talking right. to some employees and find out if they want to come back. And, you know, uh, obviously in a restaurant situation, I mean, you can't really ask a, a, a wait staff person to come back when they're making 800 bucks, you know, sitting at home. Um, so it, it becomes a little bit easier to hire the salaried or the, you know, the, the management positions first and then you know you kind of trickle back with um, bodies once you need them you know I mean there's always stuff to do of course but you know you can't really ask a a wait or a bartender to come in and you know paint the place um, that's not really what their <laughs> no. their job was in the first place so yeah I mean some of the rules I mean I, I think some of the rules will be rewritten um, you know, some of the the forgiven expenses will probably be forgiven, uh, or I'm sorry, will probably be rewritten. 
Um, but we're sort of waiting and seeing, you know, how how those definitions are 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 put out there for us to understand. Because right now, I mean, you know, we we have a basic seventy five percent must be used for payroll and twenty five percent could be used for these other expenses. And you know, it's almost for us right now, it would be better if it was flipped the other way sure. because you know we can't even hire enough people back to use 75% of it on payroll. Yeah, I mean, I think the initial intent was to help people, you know, keep jobs. And, of course, everybody was already let go before it came out. And then uh, then they offered the the extra unemployment. So it's yeah, <laughs> it, it's yeah. just a it was a, it's a weird dynamic the way yeah, it wound and, up working and, out. You know, it's, it's I think it's it was a, a rushed. Yeah. Um, you know, thing, and, and I think whenever you rush something, then there's a potential of, of you know problems. And obviously, we're competing, we're competing with two different CARES acts to try to get employees back and working. Um, you know, but I, I still know plenty of people, even in Durham, that you know are, are still battling to try to get their unemployment to begin with. So, um, you know, it, it's just a, it's an interesting uh, time. You know, but would I, would I? Am I am I hopeful that that money will be useful for my businesses? Um, I, I definitely do, or I wouldn't have I wouldn't have bothered to go through the stressful situation of, of acquiring it. So, I mean, I, I do want to use it to the benefit of of the businesses and employees wherever possible. And, and like I said, it's it's sort of newly hit our bank account, so we really haven't spent enough time figuring out how it's going to be allocated yet well um you mentioned bartenders uh a minute ago that actually brought up a question that's um well it's been a topic here in north carolina and recently it didn't get through a bill but it's the idea of being able to serve you know closed container um oh yeah alcohol liquor um you know with your to-go orders which is a nice additional revenue stream and profit center and tax stream for the um government but uh that didn't didn't go through and i have been kind of keeping up actually through sean um stokes he um has been uh, advocating for that and it's an interesting decision which i'm having i'm having a little bit of a hard time understanding every other state i've spoken to owners they're they're allowing it at least temporarily i mean you can still go i mean that's that's where you that's where you remember that north carolina is in the bible belt you know, it's it's. Well, I mean, but South Carolina's I mean, allowing it. Georgia's allowing yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I just think that you know, I mean, there's uh, when you when you think about the legislator and, and the dynamics of it, and you know, who would be the pushback on, on those things? I mean, it's the same characters that always push back on every ABC law change. It's also, it's. T- I mean, it's taken five years to allow a distillery to sell more than freaking one bottle of beer or one bottle of liquor to. Uh, a person, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, our ABC is super antiquated. Oh my God, sure is. I'm, I'm even amazed that we were able to sell back liquor to the ABC store. And that's the dumbest thing I've, you know, in the history is like, what do you mean? You don't, you won't buy this back, you know? And, and it's like, you're going to just resell it to us anyways. And you're going to make tax stamp times two. And they charge us the restocking fee. I mean, it's, (laughs) That's the ABC in North Carolina, man. It's it, it's never going to make any sense. And, yeah, I agree. Uh, when I heard that there were a few champions of, you know, 
canned liquor drinks to go, I, I there was no way in hell I was going to pass in my mind. That's amazing, man. It's so ridiculous. Um, yeah. And, you know, ultimately, I'm, you know, I'm scratching my head and, and, like, thinking, like, you know, maybe if somebody's got a really well-known, you know, house cocktail, um, you know, I could see that uh, going out the door, but... You know, it's kind of like, yeah, give me a, give me a Long Island iced tea to go. I mean, it just doesn't, I don't see the, the appeal, you know? Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, uh, like a, like a craft dinner or, you know, something like that. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it would seem to make sense if it's a house cocktail that, you know, somebody really works hard to create the mix and the right you know, proportions and things like that, then it makes a lot of sense. Um, but just for, you know, a highball or something like that, it, it seems kind of crazy. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised it did not pass. I mean, that would, it, it was, it was a long shot in my opinion. Man, that's just a, I don't, but, you know, would it, would it have really, I mean, I don't know if, if it would have really changed the dynamic of, you know, anybody's business. I mean, it would have been helpful for all that liquor that's just sitting on the shelf to move that, you know, it's already been open now for a you know, couple extra months. And it's the same reason why all these restaurants are trying to get rid of their draft beer because, you know, at least locally, only one distributor has bought anything back. Everybody else is like, Oh no, um, we're, you know, we can't afford it. You know, yeah. So I mean, that shit is dying on the vine if you don't sell it, and and um. But you know, I mean, nobody. I'm not like crucifying any of the companies for not buying it back. I mean, you know, we're all in this together. It's yeah. not like anybody's got. You know, it's not like one guy's got a shit ton more money that they could buy all this stuff back. I mean, you know, the only thing. It made sense for the ABC. It's a state-run business, and, you know, it's obviously every story you always hear about the ABC is how much money they're making, and all they're doing is adding $3 on every bottle to a restaurant. So, I mean, it, there wasn't a whole lot of um, – there shouldn't have been a whole lot of pushback on, on that sort of thing. But, you know, for for a distributor who, you know, is living hand-to-mouth and has such a low margin, I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised they're not – buying everything back i mean they just can't yeah so I mean, yeah i mean i'm not i'm not you know i haven't really been angry with any of the suppliers or anybody that we do business with everybody you know from the dumpster companies to the you know co2 people i mean everybody's been very willing to you know stop service and not charge us and they're again these are most of the time a restaurant's on a contract with these guys and yeah they it, it would be well within their right to keep charging you but everybody's been everybody's been really good and you know i think that's awesome you know and, and you want you want that to happen all the time in in this business because it's a tough business it is a tough business and we need to, we always need yeah you're right there's a lot of things that people have remembered through this and trying to help each other and being flexible I, the abc thing just that just drives me nuts because i'm talking <laughs> i'm talking to owners everywhere i mean some are selling a pretty yeah. good amount of liquor you know it depends on the concept and all that kind of stuff but it's oh, yeah, it's just one of those things on principle where you're like guys you 
Come on, I mean, you're, you're first of all, if you want to, I mean, you're passing up revenue for the state uh, in taxes. Yeah. So what, that alone ought to be enough for reason. If you, and then they said, well, you know, we're worried about drunk driving. Okay, so I can go buy a handle of Jim Beam at the liquor store, but I can't buy one closed container drink from a restaurant with my food. Like it just makes no yeah. sense. I mean, yeah, like, I that, I mean, yeah, but the people that the people that are against it won't make any sense regardless well yeah constantly fight against it it's the same old lady that always you know shoots it down in the legislator i mean uh yeah i could i mean i could again i could see i could see all those sides you know and i just since i've been dealing with this stuff for so long i just I, i was even surprised that they were able to get it to the talking point you know <laughs> yeah right <laughs> but it was never in the, it was never in the final bill it was kicked out i mm. think it was it was not even yeah well believe me we got a lot of other things to deal with with the abc over the years um and that is not the most important thing so i mean if we can if we can use this as a as a stepping stone to either privatize abc or or you know get some things changed in the state then i think it would be far more beneficial than to go liquor <laughs> oh for sure there's a uh, boy i talked to scott maitland at uh, topo distillery a month yeah. or two ago before all this and he was uh well let's just say he's not a big fan of the North Carolina State. No, I mean, and, you know, I mean, yeah. that's, it goes to show you, you don't always want to be the first guy, you know, like yeah. he was the first guy. And, yep. um, the, the laws have changed over the years, but you know, he was, he was beating his head against the wall for a long time. Yeah. And, um, it's a very, very tough business. That it is. That it is. Well, uh, how about your staff, man? How's everybody holding up so far by and large? Good. I mean, you know, most of our most of our you know PM type manager chef guys are still employed, um, and you know, from what I can tell, you know, we've sent around as many. Anytime we get something that says "Hey, free money," you know, we send it around to staff and, and make sure that they know that they need to get on it as quickly as possible. And you know, we sent around as much info as we could about unemployment and filing. And, the processes and sent everybody a letter um, so they could prove that they were officially furloughed because of COVID-19. So we tried to do as much stuff as we could to help them, um, you know, get that going quickly. I just think, you know, some of them maybe were a little bit like in disbelief as, at the start. And so they were a little bit behind the curve. Um, mm. But, you know, based on what I see on, on social media, I mean, everybody's trying to use this time for some, uh, some, uh, uh, improvement, self-improvement and, or, uh, you know, um, becoming better musicians or artists or, uh, you know, most of them are all in a band or hope to be in a band. So I think they're, they're spending a lot of time just kind of, you know, practicing and getting better, at whatever craft they have. Um, so I mean I you know I already think that if you if you work in a uh, hospitality business you know you're doing it for a specific reason you need the flexibility yeah um, and so I think a lot of them are using the time wisely and you know I know as far as a little, few of the musicians they've been able to get you know uh, little arts grants and things like that to kind of keep them going and you know help them record and 
So, I mean, it's it's frustrating, you know, for all those guys, you know, and obviously Motorco is a, a live music venue, and I think that that um, has its own challenges um, in the next nine months, six, eight months. Um, you know, I think we're going to be pretty much the last business to open um, because of capacity rules, social distancing rules, and simple fact, if we can't have the max capacity in that room, then all the bands that we would hire to play that room wouldn't be playing anyways because they can't afford to tour if they're not making the maximum amount of dough. So, I mean, that's that's a whole other set of challenges. And um, We are a part of a trade organization that is trying to make sure Congress knows specifically about independent music venues and, uh, you know, realize that it's a completely different set of challenges for us. Uh, you know, we're booking six to eight months in advance, and, and you know, if, if nobody knows if they're going to be allowed to safely play a show in October, then that means that show's going to be put in the next spring, and that basically means we're closed for the next seven months. So, um, yeah, we're sort of dealing with that right now um, and trying to figure out what our next steps are for the, for the, for the club. I mean, we've already canceled June and July, and we're just looking at August as, um, you know, is it even going to be feasible? And if it's going to be feasible, at what level? And then if it's half capacity, let's say, you know, which of those bands will still be willing to play a show at half capacity? So there's a lot of renegotiation to do and um, trying to figure out what the fall is going to look like and, and you know, it fall might turn into next spring pretty quickly boy it could well as you said it's already a tough business in a good economy uh there's a lot of just a lot of variables all the time so i've always had we all of us at schedule fly i've always had a lot of respect for um folks like you and your peers that run successful businesses in this really challenging industry and we're we're thankful that y'all do what you do and uh even more so now with all the unique very hard to plan for challenges when you don't have any real definitive time frames and answers and there's just so much ambiguity and uh it's a very fluid thing so man i'm gonna let you uh, when i'm in a when i'm I'm in a good mood i say well this is just (laughs) one more of those challenges of running you know a restaurant or a live music venue but when i'm feeling low and frustrated and I'm like god I don't you know this is this is like a death knell for so many people and um, it's a bummer you know I mean you know a place like Durham which thrives on its bar and restaurant scene yeah um, you know I've I've heard many rumors I have nothing confirmed of who's going away and staying but um, you know I I can't help but think you know the the very exciting bar and restaurant scene of Durham is going to be um, a lot different, you know, coming this fall. So it's a bummer. And, um, you know, so many people have put so much money and so much of their life into these businesses that um, it's disappointing in the, in the very least. Um, but I don't think anybody um, expected this to kind of take over so much of our lives like it has. Um, and ultimately, you know, we we have to get the population healthy before it even makes a difference to have a restaurant or a bar or a club. 
yeah. because without a healthy population, nobody's going to have the confidence to go out anyways. And that's, you know, if you don't have a population that wants to go out, then you sure as hell don't need a restaurant or bar. No, you need a healthy population and an employed population so they have yep. disposable income to to visit these places, uh, these restaurants and bars and live music venues yep. and coffee shops yep. and breweries and distilleries. Well, look, you know, um, the one, one silver lining I always go back to when I think about this is I try as much as possible to, to think of the, you know, the good or positive things that could come from this. Look, you you and your peers one thing that is for sure is that y'all of of any class of business person independent restaurant bar hospitality owners are by nature by default you know the creative gritty driven um passionate group of people that it figures shit out <laughs> i mean like <laughs> I mean, you're always having to figure stuff out. There's always these, I mean, there's more fires that you have to, you know, virtual fires you have to put out and problems you have to solve on a daily basis than most people have to address, uh, you know, in a a week or a month in in their job. So y'all, but just by the nature of who you are and how you're wired and what you do, you're a very creative group and you're a very driven group and you're, you know, you work hard and, uh, you just figure stuff out and, and uh, you take whatever the situation is and you make it work. So uh, as a whole, as a collective, I, man, I got my money on you all, my friend. I really do. I... <laughs> well, I appreciate those nice comments. I mean, you know, trying to, I guess, keep that creative fire going during, you know, the shutdown is, is probably the hardest part of it all. So, you know, trying to, yeah, trying to understand, you know, how you're going to turn that energy into, um, you know, revenue and a positive uh, outlook on things is, is definitely a, a tough thing. But yeah, I appreciate it. And, and, you know, I think, again, this is a big challenge. And I think it's uh, a challenge that we're probably going to be dealing with for, you know, a, a long while. So we're going to have to figure out ways to, to still be in business and ways to do things differently um, and still please people. So I think it's it's a matter of just kind of digging in and, and seeing what landscape and like you said, you know, turn on a dime and try to figure this thing out. Yeah, sure. That's right. Well, look, man, you're at your girlfriend's house. You go back, hang out with her, have some fun, enjoy the no- nice North Carolina weather today, and uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll keep rocking. But if you need anything, you got my cell. You know I am a friend, and I, I really appreciate the time very much. Absolutely. You know, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, absolutely, man. Anytime. Have a good All one, right. Josh. All right, see you. Yeah, see ya.